Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church Weekly Podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. If you would, take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be looking at, starting at looking at verse 26. We're going to be looking at the account of Mary with the angel Gabriel this morning during our Christmas series. But as you're turning there, I've got a question for you. Right now, what impossible task or situation are you facing? Right now, what impossible task or situation are you facing? I said, well, Pastor Dave, that's a funny kind of question for a Christmas service series. Yet, as we read together, you'll see that Mary faced an impossible task. Let me ask you this. Are you trying to figure it out on your own? Are you trying to come up with your own plan to accomplish the task or the plan to manage that situation? In the future, how will you take on an impossible task or situation? And where does God fit into that solution? This morning as I came to church, got into my office, and kind of finished up with some last details of the message, uh, I opened up my emails just to see if there's anything I need to respond to or look at. And sure enough, of all things, there happened to be an email from a good friend who began to share with me what he and his wife are going through with a family member. And as I continued to read down through the email, I was like, wow, what an impossible task. And then I began to think about some of you who are are sitting in this very room and some of the situations that you're facing that seem impossible. Or maybe some of the tasks that you're about to venture on that seem impossible. But as we'll discover in this passage this morning, sometimes the impossible comes our way because God wants to place us in front of the impossible. God needs our help. God wants to use us. And the task seems to be impossible. So maybe this morning for you, it's God prompting your heart or clearly God has said to you, I need you to do this. And your question, just like Mary's, was, well, how? an honest question, isn't it? Have you ever taken the time to reflect or study on the truths of Scripture that show us enormously the impossibilities that God makes possible? The Scriptures are filled with it. You will recall most of these. The universe is spoken into existence that we see in Genesis. The children of Israel cross the Red Sea, not just cross it, but they cross it on dry land. Three men walk out of a fiery furnace with no burns and no scent of fire. A shepherd boy defeats a giant. Water is turned into wine at a wedding feast. Individuals brought back from the dead. The blind are made to see. Countless biblical accounts in scriptures where we see God do the impossible. In the passage that we're looking at this morning, verse 37, it says, The angel Gabriel says to Mary, For nothing 
is impossible with God, for nothing will be impossible with God. It doesn't say that there are some things that are impossible for God to do. It doesn't say that. Thankfully, it says that God will do the impossible, that nothing is impossible for him. Then in Matthew, the 19th chapter, verse 26, it's the account where the rich young man comes to Jesus and asks him how he can get into heaven. And Jesus says to him, sell everything you got because he was rich. And he realized he liked his riches more than he was really willing to follow the Lord. And it says that he walks away sadly. And at that, Jesus looks at his disciples and said these words, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. What is it that you are facing? Whether it be a task or a situation or a message that God has clearly given you that seems impossible. But as we will discover today, the Lord will make it possible. This summer, I got to witness God pull off the impossible with the airlines. If you've been familiar with flying anywhere in the U.S. or around the world, anytime you mention airlines and you mention going someplace, you know there's always the possibility of you not getting to your destination when you're supposed to. This summer, I had the privilege of taking 20 of us, 11 students, 9 adults to Utah to work with our partner, Hope Valley Community Church. And so we had to fly. We weren't driving. That would take too many days, so we're flying. And Mike Morgan had helped out make the arrangements for the flight, and when you do group arrangements, you just get what they give you. You don't get to choose. And I remember, it was in April, I remember looking on the itinerary, and it showed our, our trip back from Utah. It showed that we had an hour in between our flight coming into Dallas and leaving Dallas. And I've flown enough to know that you have an hour, you may not meet that flight. And so here we are, Saturday morning, getting ready to head back to Columbia. We've had a fantastic week of ministering and being a part of what the work that God's doing at Hope Valley Church. Just an incredible week with the students and the adults. And I wake up Saturday morning, and I look at my phone, and I see a text from the airlines that says, your flight leaving Salt Lake City is delayed. I don't want you got to be kidding me. I am ready to get home. It's been a great week, but I am ready to leave. And so I go downstairs and I share with Mike. Mike's a whiz with the airline stuff. Mike gets on the phone. He's trying to get through. Mike says, better yet, Dave, I think if we can pack and if we can clean this house and get to the airport and try to work on things, we might have a chance. So 20 of us finished packing all our luggage and cleaned the VRBO house that we lived in that entire week, and we loaded up the vans in an hour and a half. That was one thing that blew my mind, that we all did that in under an hour and a half. Not to mention that 20 of us smoothly navigated using three restrooms for 20 people all week long. And it never got to me that anybody fussed about not getting in the restroom. That was 
an incredible feat in and of itself. We make it to the airport. By the time we get to the airport, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Mike was still on hold after about two hours. We don't get to change our flight. We go through the process. Our flight's not out of Lake City until 4 o'clock Salt Lake City time, and so we're sitting in the airport that entire time. So what do you think I'm doing? I'm looking at my phone. We got any more delays? What's happening? Finally get to our gate, sitting there at the gate, and I'm watching the, the, the sign at our gate talking about our flight and the flight coming into Salt Lake City that we're supposed to get on to get to Dallas is delayed. So now the hour goes even deeper. I'm like, and here's the thing. We told the students, and in the ride in the van, we prayed, God, work it out. We all want to get home. Some of them, I think, had the idea that if we don't, we get to stay in Dallas. And that was exciting some of the students. Not me and maybe some of the adults. We wanted to be in our house. But we sat there, and I prayed. A little bit later, sure enough, their flight's still slowing down, coming into Salt Lake. So I prayed. Now, I'll be honest with you, as I prayed, there was that sliver of doubt saying, yeah, I'm not getting home tonight. I'm going to be in Dallas. I didn't want to think about how to get, you know, getting 20 people into a hotel room, getting them fed, getting them back on a plane the next morning. All that was supposed to be done. We finally get on our plane, and we, gotta, we get in towards Dallas, and I'm thinking, all right, we got to get off the plane we got to, if you've ever been to Dallas airport, you get off at your terminal, catch the tram, and you got to go to wherever your next plane is. And it may not be right next door to your gate. It may be in terminal C, B, or A. We flew into D. We had to get to B. So we are booking. Oh, I forgot to tell you this. We're all in the back of the plane. The last seat. I am sitting with Christine and one of the other students, or it might just be Christine and I and the other students across the way, and we are three rows from the back, and I think there's like 30 rows. And I'm like, unbelievable. We tried to figure something out, and Mike got on the plane at a good seat like row nine, and we switched seats with him or Moses, hoping that Moses could get to the gate sooner than we once we landed but as we approach Dallas, the pilot gets on the intercom system and says, we have a group that needs to connect to their flight. If you are not in a hurry, would you please remain seated so that they can get off? And I'm thinking, wow. The plane lands. We get up out of our seat. By that time, we are already 20 minutes past time the plane's supposed to leave. Didn't stop praying. And at this point, I'm almost at the excited part that, man, if, if, I, if I get on that plane to Columbia, whoo, am I going to be excited for God? And we get off that plane, and we're running. We are running through the airport. The kids and the other adults, they're leaving me. I don't know the last time I ran anywhere, let alone with a backpack running through an airport. And we get to the escalator. We get on the tram. We get all the way to gate B. And again, I'm like... One, I'm about to die right here in Dallas Airport because I've not ran like this ever. And we're getting down. I can see Mike in front of me, and we come down the steps, and we're about to round, and I hear this lady's voice say, Slow down, stop. Your plane is waiting on you. And I feel chills right now as I say that. 
Now understand, I know that this impossibility is no comparison to what maybe some of you are facing right now in this room. I know it has no comparison whatsoever to what we're going to read together in this passage of Scripture. But I know for whatever reason, the Lord needed to show me and maybe 19 others something about him. It may have been just a simple reminder that, David, I'm still God, and I can do anything I need to do, whether it's small or large. And God did that. When I thought I would still be in Dallas and not at home with my wife in my bed, he still accomplished getting 16 of us, 17 of us, three of us had already gotten an early flight, 17 of us on a plane that we shouldn't have gotten on. It was two weeks after that that I continued just to reflect on what God was doing to not want to lose the lesson that God was trying to teach me. But David, I'm still God, and I can do whatever it is that I need to do, whether big or small. And what you and I discovered this morning in this passage of Scripture, that God is God, and God will do whatever he needs to do in you, through you, for you. It doesn't matter. So whether you're facing an impossible task or looking at an impossible situation, or maybe something that God is telling you to do and you look at it as impossible, know this from the Word of God, that God can make it possible. Look at verse 26 with me. We know in the Old Testament that is prophesied that God will be in our midst, that He will be born. And in verse 26, we pick up and we read this, in the sixth month, the reference here is that Mary's cousin Elizabeth, who was up in age and who was barren, the angel Gabriel came to her husband Zechariah and said, Zechariah, you and Elizabeth are going to give birth to a son. And your son's name will be John. It's John the Baptist. And John's going to pave the way. So before we even get very far into chapter 1 of Luke, we already see that God is starting to work out an impossible task to make it possible. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. And this is important. Remember, when there was word about Jesus, somebody simply said, there's nothing good that comes from Nazareth. Nazareth was a place that was not highly looked at. It was not a place that was respected. But yet Nazareth would be the place that God would choose a young teenage girl. It goes on to say in verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now Luke uses the word virgin three times in this passage. Three times. This is important for you and I because it's foundational to our faith. It's foundational to the doctrines that you and I hold that Jesus is both human and divine. We can't miss that. There are a lot of religions out there that believe that Jesus was just human, that he was a good guy, that he might have been a prophet. 
but they missed the fact that Jesus was human and divine. As the Scripture said that we even read last week when Bro shared with us in, in the book of John, the first chapter, that God sent Jesus to dwell among us. It was God to dwell among us. We can't miss that. That's foundational to our beliefs. That's foundational to who we are as Christians. That God took a young virgin girl and placed Jesus in her womb, that he would be born, that he would walk through the earth and be in our midst. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Can you imagine being a young teenage girl and the angel Gabriel comes to you with a greeting and he's about to lay on you this impossible task? What could you possibly imagine in that moment? For you, we, see, we see how Mary responds. Look at verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying. Yeah, <laughs> I would too, right? Wouldn't you? And tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. In verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Now that's comforting words. An angel is in your midst. He's speaking to you. And he reassures you not to be afraid. There are moments, several moments in your life, several moments in my life, there will be several moments in our lives where we need to remember the words of Scripture, especially in this case, do not be afraid. And the angel goes on to say, for you have found favor with God. Twice, Gabriel reminds Mary that God has found favor on her. In some translation, it says that God extends his grace to Mary, the definition of the favor of God. And he goes on, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So now we get to see in the very midst of these few verses who Jesus is going to be. Gabriel is sharing with Mary who she is about to conceive. You and I know the story of Jesus. You and I know about his birth. You and I know about his 30 years of ministry. We know that. Mary doesn't have any of this knowledge. And the angel of Gabriel is telling her who Jesus will be. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will be no end. Now think about receiving all that <laughs> as a young teenage girl, that the son that you will conceive is the Son of God, and that he's going to accomplish all these things. Man, I just have a hard enough time as it is the responsibility of trying to raise two boys. I'm honest. I mean, it's tough. 
but to think that you are given the task of bringing the Son of God into the world. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? Mary understood. Mary understood how it all works. And she had an honest and simple question. How is that going to happen? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And listen what the angel Gabriel does in his next words. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. Remember, Gabriel delivered that message to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And now Gabriel has taken opportunity to encourage Mary with the task that God has presented her. To let Mary know that Mary, it's going to be okay. Mary, it's going to be all right. Because your cousin is going, to a, going through a very similar thing. That she couldn't bear a child, but now she is. And Mary, you're going to walk with her through this as you walk through your pregnancy. A way of Gabriel, the messenger of God, letting Mary know it's going to be okay. It's going to be encouragement. But then he hits her with one of the biggest statements of all that we read earlier. Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God, Mary. It may look impossible. Elizabeth and Zechariah may think it's impossible. But the fact that God is involved, Mary, is possible. It will happen. And I love, this is, one of the, this is one of the verses of Scripture when I read this story of Mary and Gabriel. This is one of the ones I just hold on to. The response that Mary gives. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That's Mary's impossible task. To conceive the child Jesus and to bring him into the world. Knowing that she and Joseph have never been together. Knowing that it's an impossibility. But yet the angel Gabriel says, Mary, is possible. Because God's with you. God's behind it. God's going to make it happen, Mary. So when you think about the task or situation or the thing that God has laid at your feet that seems impossible... Remember what God is doing with and through and for Mary. You see, Mary was an ordinary person. Mary's like you and I. There's nothing special about Mary. She doesn't come from a long lineage of anything. She's just a teenage girl born in the village of Nazareth. But yet God chooses her to be the one who bears his son, Jesus. You see, when I think about the situations that I face, I'm just an ordinary guy. There's nothing special about me. 
There's no reason other than the fact that God loves me that he would intervene in any matter whatsoever except for the fact he loves me because I am a child of his. It's comforting to know that Mary was just an ordinary person. There wasn't any special reason that God chose her other than the fact that he chose her to be the one to bear Jesus. That's the difference. You and I may not be, we look at Mary and we look at a bunch of resumes, she may not be the one that we would chose, but it does not matter. If you remember when David was chosen by God, everybody else thought it was all his brothers that should be chosen by God. And God said, I don't look at those appearances. I look at the heart. See, with God, his standard is not our standard. His selection process is not our selection process. Who God chooses, he will choose. But God found favor with Mary. Remember verse 28, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Verse 30, you have found favor with God. But the second thing that I notice about this passage is this. God's presence surrounded Mary. This is what we can't forget. This is what you and I have got to see, especially if you're facing that impossible task situation or whatever it is that God has placed in front of you. We can't miss the fact of God's presence surrounding Mary. Verse 28, we see that God was with her. God was with her. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. He didn't say the Lord's off at a distance and if you need him, try to reach out to him. No, he didn't say that. He said the Lord is with you, Mary. And then in verse 35, we see these words that, that Gabriel says that the Holy Spirit and the power of God will be with her. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mary, God's presence will be with you. Whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever it is you're facing, you have to know because of what God's Word says that His presence is with you. You are not alone in whatever it is that you face. Whatever the impossibility is, you are not alone. What God is saying to Mary, what God is doing with Mary, God will also do with you, and he will do with me. And of course, the next thing we see is God used Mary to accomplish the impossible. That's definitely a definition of impossible. A young teenage virgin to give birth, but to give birth to the Messiah. That's definition of impossible. But God accomplished the impossible with Mary. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. If you are a child of God, he can accomplish the impossible with your life. Just know it may not look and it may not turn out the way you hope, plan, or pray. That's the reality. 
God's going to do what he needs to do in your life. And when you, play, and when you face impossibilities, it doesn't always turn out the way you hope. It doesn't always turn out the way you would like. But it's going to turn out the way God desires to carry it through in and through your life. On a side note, if you're struggling, if you're struggling this very day with that that seems impossible and you've, you've prayed through it, you've thought about it, you've planned everything imaginable that you've tried to do, but yet there's still that hurdle, there's still that area where it's just like it's not working. I encourage you to talk to one of us as your pastor. Let us be, be a sounding board for you. Let us be the person that can give you some spiritual direction, some help. And if it exceeds beyond our understanding and our abilities, we'll continue to find whatever help that you need to face the impossibility. I know that. I've been here now 20 years, and I have watched countless times of pastors helping those of you guys here because that's one of the things that God desires for us to do. Don't walk it alone. Seek the counsel. First step might be to come and to speak with one of us. And I encourage you to take that. The last thing is this. Mary responded to God with humility and obedience. That's the beauty for me. That's the beauty, part of the beauty of this story. That Mary responded with obedience and humility. She didn't come up with excuses on why she couldn't be the one. She didn't tuck and run from anything and try to hide. With humility and obedience, she recognized who she was and released it to God. That's the key in this final response that we see in this passage. She recognized who she was in Christ and responded and released it to God. Look again at what she says. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Y'all, that's very important for you and for me. When the Lord has taken us through something or when the Lord has presented something to us, it's important that our response be, I am the servant of the Lord. You're saying, I surrender to you, God. God, I'm going to do whatever it is that you desire for me to do. It's out of my hands. It's not me. You're placing this on me. I am your servant. But not only that, Mary then says, let it be. Lord, I'm good with this. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to do whatever it is that you are asking me to do. Let it be to me according to your word. And then it says, and the angel departed from her. No matter the situation, here's how God helps you face that which seems impossible. His presence is with you. His presence is there to guide you. His presence is there to encourage you. It is your responsibility and my responsibility to talk to God and to listen to him speak. So important. Talk to God and listen to God speak to you. I really think that's where we miss it. We want God to step in in that fast food lane and, and fix it for us and give us everything. 
but yet we don't turn to God, and we don't seek after God, and then we don't listen to God. And God all the time speaks. He speaks through His Word. He speaks through those brothers and sisters in the Lord who are our friends. He speaks through them. But we've got to listen. May our hearts and minds and spirits have the response to God that Mary had. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Father, I recognize this morning that all, many of us in this room, face impossible tasks, face impossible situations, and even know, Lord, that there are some in this room that you have given some specific tasks to that seem impossible. So, Lord, it's my prayer of the day that we have ears to hear your word where you promise to us that your presence is there with us in the midst of what we face. Lord, your presence is there to guide us, to lead us, but to be with us every step of the way. Lord, may we hold on to your truth. Lord, may we pursue you for guidance and direction. Lord, may we continue to pray over whatever that situation is and turn it over to you and watch you do what only you can do in and through us and in our midst. Lord, may we realize that the burden is great. You have already said that you will carry that burden for us. May we turn our hearts and our minds and our spirits to you, Lord, the author and perfecter of our faith, who loves us and desires to guide us. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We ask this prayer in your name. Amen. We have our prayer encouragers on each side here. And again, maybe there's a burden that you're carrying, an impossible task that you're going through. They're here to pray with you. I'll be down front. If you'd like to come, I'd be honored to pray with you. Take advantage as we stand and sing together. Take advantage having someone pray on your behalf, pray with you, and pray over you as we sing together. Thanks again for listening to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. We hope that you enjoyed listening to this week's message. If you'd like to learn more about who we are or explore additional resources, visit us online at www.willowridgechurch.com or by searching for Willow Ridge Church on Facebook and Instagram.